Stand with me all over the building, please. Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to be here today. You've been good to us. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, just use me right now, Lord, as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the spiritual ears we need this morning to hear your voice in this word. Give us the spiritual eyes to see the path as you lay it out before us this morning. And, Lord, give us the godly wisdom that we need to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to continue on with part, I would think, six, I believe it is. Amen. To uh, coming into the congregation. Amen. Uh, before, before we do this, I want to just address a, a, a something this morning too. I want everyone in this church to pay very close attention for the next few moments here. If if you have a hard time focusing or anything like that, then you need to come to this pulpit and let me pray over you and anoint you with oil and heal that. Because this is a place of higher learning. And you cannot let anything hinder you're learning this word. There is a reason why God has brought you to this church. And it's not just for the fellowship. It's not just for the holiness. It's not just for the purity. But it's for the learning of the word of God. One thing that you need to clearly understand today When I'm teaching, do not ever cross-reference your Bible in church. Do not see the Scripture that I'm reading and then start flipping pages going to another place. Do not do that. Do not do that. You have to stay connected with me because and God would never have you do that that's Satan that does that because it takes a direct connection between us while I'm teaching because I have an engraving tool in my And as a workman for the Master, I am engraving that Word upon your mind. And that is why we take such time 
to go through His Word and to help you understand it. But if you stop and you go to another place and you turn pages and you go to and you start looking on at something else and trying to perhaps in your mind you're going deeper but what you've done in reality is you've taken the gray engraving tool out of my hand and you have stopped that direct connection between us and your mind has become sidetracked and gone in a different direction and once we've lost that connection your learning of what we're dealing with at that moment has stopped. It's very important. I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It's very important. Time is of the essence. In the world that we live in today and in this land that we live in, Time is short. And every moment we have in the Word, we have to make it count. Because at some point they're coming for that book. At some point we may be torn away from one another and put in places all over the place. Just like Jesus said, Peter told Peter, he said, right now you go where you want. But there's coming a time when they're going to come for you. And they're going to take you to a place that you do not want to go. And you're going to do things you do not want to do. It's not going to be up to you anymore. And that's, that's where we're headed in this land if the Lord tarries for us. And so what is written in your mind today, even if you don't realize how much is written there, you will when it comes time. But you have to give me your undivided attention when we're in this Word so that I can engrave it in your minds. And then I believe that you will find, as I'm asking questions, now, now don't get me wrong, you're, you're not going to remember every single thing I talk about in this church because we just cover too much. But, for the most part, Whenever we're going through something and there's questions asked, you're going to find out that you're able to come up with a whole lot of those real quickly because they're not just being heard. Now, I know you might say, well, even if I'm searching something, I can still hear you. No. No, I don't want you to H-E-A-R me. I want you to H-E-R-E me. I want you to be here with me. I want us to go through this word together. And meditate therein together. I want to walk in the presence of the Holy Ghost. While we go through his precious word. And I want him to be able to engrave it in our hearts and minds that whenever He's ready for us to bring it back forth that He will bring to remembrance all things whereunto He has said unto us. Amen. I want to be a walking Bible to the best of our ability. Amen. Praise God. So...
please be mindful to just really try to focus. And as I said, if you have a problem sometimes focusing or if you feel like you have a focusing or an attention problem, sometimes people do. It's okay, but don't don't continue with it. Come get it prayed for. Amen. Anything that you need from the Lord, He said, come, ask. See, you have not because you ask not. God will never turn you down for something that is to benefit you in the kingdom of God. He'll never turn you away. When God sees you're hungering after righteousness, Lord, I'm having a hard time focusing. I'm having a hard time concentrating. Lord, and I want to focus on you. I want to concentrate on that word. I want to be able to meditate there in day and night. Lord, will you help me? Man, just like that, God will heal that and help us continue to focus. Amen. Well, I tell you what, if there's ever a time the people of God need a prayer to focus on His Word and the kingdom of God, it's right now, isn't it? I'm telling you, all this mess going on around us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, so let's go into, into where we left off the last time. And I guess Brother Edward knows where we're, we're going with this. Amen. Uh, okay, so we are okay. Now we should be at we should be at Matthew twenty five, twenty four through twenty nine. Did we already go through that? Yeah, Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 40, and then it was the next one was uh, we had a, I think, did we go through uh, Ephesians 4, 1 as well? You did, did we do Matthew 22, 1 through 14? We did that one. Was after Ezekiel what? 44? Okay. All right. So we're going to need... Okay. 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 All right. Now... One thing I want to say is that if if you don't endure the long haul, you don't receive the reward. So, listen, if, if you're going to receive anything from the kingdom of God, just like a company that we talked about when you go to work for a company. Well, why does a company recruit and hire people? Why do they do that? Anyone? 
Okay. Well, they need to make sure you're a good fit, but why do they, why do they hire you to begin with? To, well, because to benefit the company, right? I mean, that's why they hire you, is so that they can benefit from your skills. And you can add to their bottom line. It's no different with the kingdom of God. If the kingdom can't benefit from you being a part of it, you're not going to receive the rewards from being... You're not going to receive the retirement plan. Heaven is the retirement package. <laughs> and listen... It don't matter because of the parable of the garden uh, of the vineyard, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. It don't matter if you've worked there 150 years or 10 days. God called you according to your several ability, and you're going to receive the same reward if ye faint not, and if you do what God has chosen you to do. But while you are in this kingdom, the kingdom has to benefit from you being here. This is not a free ride like the world supposes that it is. It's not. We have an obligation and a duty to follow the rules and regulations in this book. We have an obligation to perform our reasonable service for God having done what he did for us. We owe him. I owe him big time. Praise God. So, if you're going to, if you're going to reap the rewards, you're going to have to finish your course. You're going to have to endure to the end. So that you can reap the full benefit. There's no early retirement in this deal. There's no severance package in this deal. Severance is something you don't even want to think about with this deal. You want to take this thing all the way to the full, to the full term. Amen. Praise God. Remember what the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9. Sister Erica's telling us right now what it says. I know you can. Let me go ahead. For in. Right. Sister Erica. You know it now? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Praise God. We all know these. But sometimes we, you know, we forget if we hadn't quoted them in a while. Amen. It's been a little while since we've quoted a bunch of scriptures. Coming soon to a soul near you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Not that you're competitive or anything. Right? <laughs> you know, we're chomping at the bit. Amen. We need to get her a chew toy because she's going to chew that Bible up at some point. Amen. Now, 
All right, so the kingdom must benefit from us. Amen. And we have to put our time in. Praise God. Now, okay, did you get, uh, do we have uh, the uh, Ephesians 4.1? Did we already cover that? Okay, Ephesians 4.1. Because we did go all the way through 29 on this, right? 24 through 29? Yes, okay. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. What does that mean? Here's Paul talking to the Ephesians. Church, remember, when God calls you, you're not chosen. God calls everybody. But you're not chosen to be a soldier in this army until you prove yourself. Is that how it works, Sister Erica? Of course, the military just calls you and says, what do you want to be? You want to be general? Yeah, listen, what kind of experience do you have? Um, uh, well, I, I've played Warcraft before. Oh, oh well, yeah, you're general. Yep, you're the general. Is that how it works? It's a lot of hard work goes into it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, PT. Uh, PT is, uh, it's a little different than what you would think it would be, right? And you just love it. It's just the best part of basic. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Parts that you didn't even realize you, you had. Like, where did that pain just come from? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, you know, when we get, we get called into this, God calls us, and then He begins to try us. And he begins to try us and push us and push us and push us. And that's really what a pastor's job is. It's all those things. A true shepherd, not only do they, uh, do they teach, but they also try you and push you and press you. Amen. So that you don't get too comfortable in that comfort zone. You have to keep stretching out and going further, reaching higher, climbing higher. Amen. My job is to help you become the best you that you can possibly be for the Master. We're here to please Jesus. We're here to do His work. We're here to make Him happy. And you can't out-happy God. God can make you smile all the way around your head. You know it. I know it. God can, God can touch places in you nobody else can touch. God can bring blessings from nowhere. Here you sitting here scratching your head. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? Oh, dear God. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ain't no way in the world. Because you done, you done used your great wisdom and all your logic wrapped up in one. And you done decided, man, there just ain't no way. No way in the world. It cannot possibly happen. There is not any way God can get me out of something that's over with. Yeah, and then boom, all of a sudden, 
and here comes somebody out of the clear blue. Or here comes something arrives in your mailbox. I read one time. I didn't read it. I saw the guy say it. This uh, preacher. Low small church like this. Bobbing. Looking for this guy too. But this, this guy come to this church one night, sit on the back pew. Just came in and he came in and just kind of a casual, you know, didn't, wasn't dressed up or nothing. Came in and sit back, wasn't no fancy, fancy guy, what I'm saying. Sit on the back pew. Young preacher, preaching. And uh, didn't have a whole lot of people in the church. And small church, about like this. And he... Uh, he preached a message, man. He said it was a good message. And at the end of it, the guy from the back pew got up and he walked up toward him. He went and met the guy and shook his hand. He said, man, I'm glad to have you, you know. He said, uh, the Lord sent me here tonight. He said, uh, he said, I have a question for you. He said, okay. He said, uh, how much debt do you have? The guy said, excuse me? He said, how much debt do you have? He said, well, why? He said, I'm just asking you a question. Everybody has debt. He says, how much debt do you have? And he says, well, about $250,000. He says, that's everything you owe in this life, huh? He said, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to pay off all your debt right now. He said, are you sure that's all you got? He said, I'll have to put a pen to it. He said, put a pen to it. And this guy was a multimillionaire. And he paid off everything that man had. Came out of the blue. That's God. Came out of blue, man. I mean, never seen the guy before in his life. Guy never seen him before. Never been in that church before in his life. He stuck around for a while, and he ended up doing some things for the church as well before he left. But he paid off all his debt in one moment, one minute, just like that. Boom. Cut him a check that night. If you see that guy around here... Yeah, if you see that guy around here, you make sure he knows where this church is at. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know what? God does not need our ways to perform his work. And that's why he brings it in those ways, so that we can't take credit for it. Well, that's because I was so good. <laughs> no. No. No, that's not what it's for. It's because he's so good. That's why he hardened the Pharaoh's heart so many times. And that's why he did so many things that most people say, well, you didn't have to go that far. Yes, I did. Because that's the depth of man's selfishness and self-centeredness. 
man will always try to find a way to put his stamp on it. And God will not tolerate your stamp on his business. Amen. He will not share his glory with another. Praise God. All of you have learned so much already. It's really quite an achievement. I don't know of any other church ever. I've never seen one. I've been to a lot of churches in my life, a lot of Pentecostal churches in my life. I've never seen a church that learns as much as we do and really goes through it like we do. And, you know, one thing that my mother said that just really will resonate with me is that same thing. She said, I've never, and, of course, man, that woman's been her whole life, uh, 70 years in Pentecostal church. And uh, she said, I, I've never been in a church that goes through the Word like this ever. She said, I really love that. Amen. I do too because I love the Word of God. And there's so much to it. You can't get in a hurry with it. It's just so much in it. You know what I mean? Praise God. All right. So let's uh, let's turn the corner here. Amen. And here he says, Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. What does that mean? He said this several times in several books. Well, let's just take a look at this. Let's just talk about it a minute. What does that mean? What did Paul mean by that? Go deeper. What is it? Yeah, what does it mean to be a prisoner? Well, here's the deal. If you're a prisoner, just like Brother Edward was just saying, if you're a prisoner, it ain't up to you. Prisoners don't have, they don't, their decisions are made for them. Prisoners do not make decisions. They don't choose when they eat. They don't choose when they, they go to bed. They don't choose when they get up. They don't choose when they go outside or when they come in. They don't choose when their doors are open, when the doors are closed. It's all chosen for them. And you know what? The prison system can come and change that any time they want without any hesitation, without any warning, without any advance warning. They can come in and throw all your stuff out down three stories off, off the catwalks here. They can throw that stuff down in the bottom down there, all your stuff. They can take it and just chunk it in the garbage. They can give you a TV or take one away from you. They can allow you to have books and they can allow, they can take that privilege away. Paul was saying right here, he said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And I speak to you as the prisoner of the Lord. I beseech you. I compel you. That ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So what does that mean? What does that mean, Sister Tara? 
Yes, ma'am. So that ye walk worthy of the what? Okay. Wherewith ye are called. Isn't that what it says? So what does that mean? That we prove ourselves to the Lord to be worthy. I used to, when I worked for people, a lot of times I would tell them, you know what? Give me a shot. And I'm going to work for you the first week. And let me tell you something, buddy. If at the end of the week you're not thrilled that you have me, you don't owe me nothing. You can keep your money. We'll part ways. No harm, no foul. You don't owe me a cent. How's that? And you know what? I never got rejected. They always said, man, that sounds good to me. And, buddy, after a day or so, <laughs> they were like, man, dude, you're in, you know. That's what God wants. And that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, look, this is not just some haphazard thing we're doing like the world tries. That's how Satan has managed to make this to be. He has he has dummied this thing down so much that it's just a it's just so so lackadaisical. It's just so nonchalant now. God did it all. Just come in, ride the gravy train to heaven, bring your money, get your ticket. That's what it that's that's the that's the consensus of the land. Don't do anything. Where's your faith? But Paul said quite the opposite right here. He said, you need to walk worthy. You need to prove yourself, show yourself that you're worthy of what God called you to do in this kingdom. This ain't no free ride. you got a job to do. But that's not what the world says. We know different. So we need to be seen and counted by the Lord worthy. Of what he's called us to do. Amen. Everybody understand? Praise God. Now. Okay brother. Now I think we're over in Leviticus. Amen. God has always required holiness. He's always required holiness. Why? Why, is, why does God require holiness? Very good, because he is holy, and we're supposed to be like him, isn't that right? Yeah. The Bible says, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Why did he bring them out of the land of Egypt? What? To be their God. That's right. He said, I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. That's why I brought you up here to be your God. I delivered you so that I could be your God. I showed you. I brought you out with a mighty hand. Not only did I bring you out, I brought you out with all their stuff. I made them glad to get rid of you and glad to give you all their stuff. God can change your mind. God can change their mind. He did change their mind. Wonder what they thought when none of the army came back, including the Pharaoh. 
wonder how they, what they thought about that. To be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy. Did that sound like a suggestion? For I am holy. God expects us to hold the standard. Church, a little side note here. If I did not hold the standard high, where do you think we would be as a church? How many of you believe that that uh, casual in the house of God is okay? Do you believe that? How many of you understand that if I didn't force that issue, that's what we would be doing today? Do you realize that? We would be just like every other church. Why? Because, yeah, that's what sells. Comfort sells. Complacency sells. There are, there are no devout Christians. There's a bunch of lazy Christians that truly are not Christians. They're just, they just want to be called Christians to take away their reproach. But even here, I have found jackets laying around and children's jackets and men's jackets and things like that laying around. Don't leave those clothes here. This is not a closet. Church, this is the house of God. When I get up on Sunday morning or Tuesday evening or whenever, when I get ready to come to the house of the Lord, I put my clothes on. I put my tie on. When I walk out of that door of my house... I look just like this. Now, looking just like this may not be as good today as it was years ago. I can't help all that. But I do the best with what I have left to work with. Amen. Do I have expensive suits? No, I do not. I do not own an expensive suit. I own a bunch of pieces of suits that I can mix and match together so that I don't look the same every time I come to the house of God. You know, you don't have to spend a fortune to look good for God. Now, when I was a child, I had one suit. And dear God, you better not get it dirty, or you're not going, or you just have to use it for your funeral suit. At your funeral. And you never wore it anywhere but church. But now I have several, however weary that they may be becoming through the years, 
But you don't have just one set of clothes to wear to your job, do you? No. No, you don't. So you do your best for God. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about Brother Quick because he's right now, he's been going through a little bit of battle right now, but uh, it has nothing to do with him whatsoever this morning. Yeah. But you know, praise God. Yeah. Amen. I didn't want to, I didn't want him getting. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Quit wearing them dukes, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Sister Erica just threw up. In her. <laughs> yeah. Amen. But church, listen. Y'all have to help me out here. Because what if we did have some company? Do your best, man. Look, I I don't have a bunch of expensive clothes. I'm not that guy. You know, and you just do the best you can do. You don't have to be styling and profiling. Just do your best for God. Do your reasonable service. Amen. That's all we need to do. And, uh, and, and keep the clothes that you have. Keep them clean. Keep them neat. If they need to be pressed... There's this new thing out now called an iron, and you plug it into this thing called an electrical socket, and lo and behold, you know you can, yeah, you can take the uh, you can take and fix them. And everybody does a pretty good job here. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. But don't don't slack off. Don't slack off. Don't don't you don't give in. You you know we have to push ahead, and. You know, if somebody comes into the church and they look around and it looks like, you know, looks like a gym. Look like you're over at the gym and people's shorts just slung out on the side over and you got a jacket thrown over here and a deal in 47 sleeping bags and 15 tents set up and all kind of, you know, you know, come on, man. At least make it neat, presentable and take your clothes home with you. Don't leave your clothes here. This ain't no, this ain't no clothes closet. Take your clothes home. Amen. Put your clothes... Listen. Ladies, when you're walking around here, I see Sister Terry sometimes come around and got them neck things wrapped around, you know. Amen. She don't just... Yeah, them thing, the, the thing, yeah, she don't come in and just start peeling stuff off and slinging it over like it's some kind of dance or something. Praise God, please don't do that. Ladies, please don't start peeling clothes off because... Uh, please don't. But, yes, thank you, Jesus. But... You know, I mean, listen, I, I, you know, you, you come in churches, women start flipping shoes, all high heels flying across the room, you know, kids run around, you know, I, do, do the best that you can do and realize, listen, you, it's like coming to church late and we have church we really we start about nine o'clock i mean come on man nine o'clock are you kidding me if you can't be on time at nine o'clock something's wrong folks you gotta go to bed before four o'clock in the morning if you're planning on being at church at nine o'clock in the morning amen now that don't mean getting here at three minutes to nine and start putting your clothes on in the parking lot okay so and then running in while you put your shoes on. Trying to make it in before the 9 o'clock buzzer. 
Yeah, all right, no. Put your phone down there, sister. <laughs> this, <laughs> that's where she got that move from, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I left it there, because I'm going to tell you, it got good to her. You know, you scratch a dog, because she had her one leg going like this the whole time she's doing it. I can't do all that in the leg tap, too, but you must have got good to her. No, blankets don't have to leave, but just fold them up. Don't just sling them over the chair. You know what I mean? It, make it look like it's a church. You know what I mean? Yeah, you ladies need that kind of stuff because sometimes it gets a little cool in here. Sometimes, whatever. You know, I don't mind that. But just, you know, keep it nice and neat. And, you know, it's a, it's a house of God. Look at all we've seen and how God... Do you think God's okay with that? I don't think He is, man. You know, so we need to be careful how we treat the house of God. That's what this whole several-part series has been about, is the seriousness with which God looks at His house. If if you wouldn't do it at your house, you better not even let it cross your mind about the house of God. Because God is holy. And He said, Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Amen. It's a command. Amen. So we want to be pleasing vessels unto honor to the Lord. Praise God. Come on, brother. Where's that next one at? We're going to go through several here. Righteousness, separation, and complete commitment to the Lord. Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You think he meant it? Okay. Come on, brother. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. See? Come on. And ye shall be holy unto me. For I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. Notice what he said right there. Now, as a country boy would say, I have severed you. I have severed you. Remember people over there. But God said, I have severed you from other people. That's exactly what he did. When he brought you to this church... He severed us from other people, from other churches, from other beliefs, from other doctrines, from other congregations. Severed us from other people. What does that mean, from other people? He severed us from other people. He cut us loose from other people. Brought us out. Brought us into a place set apart. How much more apart could we be than this? Where we have a closed gate out here. You know why? I've not seen anybody trying to run their way into this church. Anybody that's come through that gate late had ill intentions. They come in here wanting to go through cars or something else or something like that. And first of all, If you're going to come into the house of the Lord, 
being late ain't going to work. Because God's coming back one day, and you know them five foolish virgins? I believe they might have been late. And the door was shut. Amen. Now, he severed us from other people that we should be his. We should be his. That means his. That means we belong to him. That you will be mine. You should be mine. Mine. Just like a kid, little spoiled kid. Mine! You know. I want to, no, mine! You know. Well, that's the way God means his people. You're mine. You belong to me. I am the one that paid for you. I created you. I created you for me, not for Satan. I created you for me. Amen. Okay, brother. Follow peace with all men, we know it well, and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. You can't make it without holiness. No man shall see the Lord. All these people that die and think they're going to heaven. Oh, no. No, no, no. Mm -mm. No, you're not going to see the Lord. You're not going to see Him. And church, unless you're holy, unless you have separated yourself unto God, you're never going to see Him. And that don't just mean up there. That means here. How much more do you see God now than you ever did before in your life? You know why that is? Because you've separated yourself more than you've ever separated yourself in your life. You've committed yourself to God. You have put away things that divide. You've put away things that hinder you from God. You've put away things that are against God. And you have picked up holiness and righteousness and purity. Does it mean you're perfect? No, it does not. But now you see God. And every time you allow leaven into your lump, you lose vision of God. You lose the sight of God until you get yourself back in covenant, get yourself back upright and walking in that path, and then you begin to see God again. Amen. Without holiness, with no holiness in your life, you're not going to see God. You're not going to hear His Word. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to follow. God is not with those that are not with Him. And certainly, when you leave this life, you're not going to ever see God. The Lord was not the one that cast judgment. When the Lord showed me that vision, it wasn't God that was passing judgment. It was the angel of the Lord with a sword in his hand. God didn't have to do it. You're going to stand before his judgment seat. But you're never going to see the Lord. That's what the Bible says right here. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Give me that next one. God didn't have to get up off the throne to fight the devil. He just spoke the word. He sent his angels. The war wasn't between God and Satan. The angels were the ones that fought the war. God had his angels throw Lucifer and his angels out. He didn't even have to get up off the throne. 
Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His, okay? And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There is so much in that one Scripture right there. That's a ton right there. That's a lot of word right there. So let's talk about that. The foundation of God standeth sure. What is that? No, no, no. What? Nope. The foundation is in us. We become that foundation. Just as the Lord is the Word, you need to look and see what it's talking about because when it describes it, nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. See? The foundation of God standeth sure in His people. The foundation of God is, of course, His Word, but how does it stand sure in His people? The foundation of God, the Word of God, and the Lord standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. All of that together, as we belong to God, and as we hold fast His Word, not our words, but His words, the foundation of God standeth sure. Church, that's why we continue to come to church. That's why we continue to study and meditate upon the Word of God. So that we can continue to stand steadfastly, unmovable, unshakable in the path. When you come to that, that's why we have communion, to put us back in right standing with God. Amen. That's why we come to this altar and we put our face in this altar and we repent. When we're, we need to be quick to repent, as David was, who was the apple of God's eye and a man after God's own heart. Amen. We have to stand sure in the foundation which we are, praise God, in Him. We are that foundation. We stand sure, steadfast, unmovable. We are that foundation. The Word is written in us. The covenant is written in us. And it's consummated and sealed It's consummated by His blood, and we have the seal of God, which is the Holy Ghost. That's right. Amen. Remember what it said in Ephesians. Amen. After that ye were what? After that ye believed... Yes. Are you looking at the Bible right there? <laughs> I say, that's good, boy. Look at her go. She got that Bible over there. Amen. She whipped that sword out. Praise God. That's good. That's what that sword's there for. Praise God. What? Sister? See, looks like we need to go back and do a little, little freshening, little little refresher course. Amen. Because that's that stuff we take for granted. 
But that's stuff we need to know because that's really important stuff right there. That's one of the best messages I ever preached. That's one of the greatest messages God ever gave me right there when He gave me that right there. I've never heard anybody else preach on it in other churches, other uh, UPC churches and places like that. They'd have heard that. They were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, look at that, look at that. And they don't even know it. I guarantee you I could go preach that message right there at, at Matt and people's jaws would drop, their minds would go, Poof. of course, some of them would like, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, I knew that, yeah, 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 you know. But some of those things right there people miss, they blow right over it. But that's some powerful stuff. Now, so, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. See? How does He know we're His? Which is? That's right. Don't you think Jesus knows who's got His Spirit in them? Because the Spirit bears witness with itself. Amen. If you ain't got it, Jesus knows it. And if you got it, Jesus knows it. Amen. Because it's a seal. Amen. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ... Okay, so what does that mean? Nameth the name of Christ. Yeah, those that are called by the name of Jesus, been baptized in Jesus' name, those that profess Jesus' name, those that profess oneness, those that profess holiness, righteousness, those that profess to be Christians, that profess to be Jesus' name, they need to depart from iniquity. They need to leave that mess alone. They need to depart from iniquity. Amen. Why? Because the foundation of God, which we are, standeth sure. The foundation of God can't be messing around with no iniquity. The foundation of God needs to stand sure. And the Lord knows the ones that are His. The ones that call are called by His name. You need to depart from that. Because... There is no shadow of turning in God. And if we are of God, there needs to be no shadow of turning in us. That's what we strive for. Do we fail? Yes, we fail. We're human. We do make mistakes. We do things that sometimes we shouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. Maybe we think things we shouldn't think. But we need to be mindful of all these things. This is why we learn these things. So that we know when we do it that we realize and God's able to bring this kind of work. If you understand what it is you're learning, if you understand what it is you're being taught, you understand what God meant when these scriptures right here come up. Amen. When you understand what God meant, understand what God expects, you understand what He requires, then when you do something, God has an arsenal of knowledge and wisdom to bring to your remembrance and cause you to stop right there and say, I told you not to do that. Remember? It's not acceptable. And then God brings to your remembrance the things that you've been taught. And He brings it with word, not theory. And you hear the voice of God speaking the word of God. And it brings you to the place of repentance. Brings you to that place of return. Where you're able to put your face Beneath God, put your feet back in the path of God and get yourself in back in right standing with God. Amen. Everybody with me so far? Praise God. Church, we 
being of God, walking in holiness and righteousness and trying to obtain the closeness with God, the closest we can be with Him, trying to, trying to be as close to God as we can possibly be and to line up with His Word in everything that we do, we become that foundation of God. And it must stand sure. It has to be sure. His word must be sure in us. It must be steadfast in us. We cannot waver because his word cannot waver. And we need to be a living epistle of God. We need to be walking, talking, living, breathing word of God. That's what we need to be. When people see us or hear us, they need to see and hear the Word of God, the will of God, holiness of God, the purity of God, the righteousness of God, the right standing of God. We need to be that living example. That's letting your light shine. Your light needs to be God shining to those people. What would Jesus do? This is what Jesus would do, what we're doing. That's what Jesus would do because we do what he says to do. What would he do? He's going to do what he said to do. That's what he's going to do. He's going to do what he told you to do because he's not one to tell you to do something he ain't going to do himself. He's telling you, do what I do. Walk as I walk. Talk as I talk. Be as I am. I am holy. Be ye holy. Be ye holy because I'm holy. Live righteously because I live righteously. Don't just do it because I said do it. Do it because I do it. Do what I do. You do what Jesus does, you're going to make heaven. You do what Jesus does, you're going to be where he is. Because he went to prepare a place for the people that live like him. He went. Remember what he said? The meek shall inherit the earth. Amen. He said, walk as I walked. He came and left his example that we should walk in his steps. That means do what he did, right? When in doubt, check the instructions. Okay, brother. But in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're made of. It doesn't matter if you're wood. It doesn't matter if you're made of earth. It doesn't matter if you're clay. Doesn't matter if you're silver or gold, no matter what you're made of, it can still be a vessel unto honor, a vessel unto dishonor. And if you purge yourself from wickedness and unrighteousness and those things, and you purge yourself, amen, from from anything that's ungodly and unholy and unrighteous and all that, then you can be a vessel unto honor. Amen. Sanctified. You can be an earthen vessel, which you are. Amen. An earthen vessel, or you can be a vessel of gold or whatever. You can come from riches. You can come from 
Poverty, doesn't matter what, you can have money, you can be dead broke. Doesn't matter what you are, doesn't matter what the world would seem that you are, or say that you are, does not matter. You can still be a vessel unto honor. God's not looking at your money, He's not looking at your status. What God's looking at is your heart. Amen. What God is looking at is your willingness and your obedience. What God's looking at is are you living to honor God or are you living to honor you or man? That's the difference. Whether you're a vessel unto honor, sanctified. Amen. If you're sanctified, that means you have come to the Lord and He has, you have sanctified yourself with the Word of God. Amen. You have laid aside every weight and sin and you have become a vessel of honor unto God. Sanctified and meet. For the master's use. What does that mean? Worthy of the master's use. Fit for the master's use. Meet for the master's use. And prepared unto every good work. Prepared. Prepared unto every good work. Ready. At any time to do whatever God wants you to do. God said, hey, I want you to go help this person over here. Or I want you to do this right here. I want you to do that right there. Be careful. The devil can do that too. Always line it up with the Word of God. Amen. All right, brother. First Peter 1.15, But as He which has called you, hath called you, is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Which means what? Behavior. In this instance, means behavior. So, you need to be holy in all manner of your behavior. There's a lot to that. There's a lot to holiness. There's a lot to purity. Amen. Holiness takes many things. If you're going to be holy, it requires absolute separation. Let me ask you a question. If you have a house that is spotless, how do you keep it that way? Hold a wagon. You just tap dance all over that right there. The right answer was the first answer. If you're going to keep something spotless, you're going to have to keep people out of it. You know people that have a two-story house and they don't have nobody living upstairs? They don't let nobody go upstairs either. And they don't turn on any AC vents or anything like that upstairs either because that brings dust in. And 
a woman that don't want to spend her days running up downstairs cleaning and all that kind of stuff, she's going to clean it, she's going to close that door, and you best leave that door alone. You touch that door, you're going over that balcony, or you're going down them stairs head first. <laughs> Amen. She'll make it to where you can't climb them stairs no more. Amen. She'll have spikes sticking up out the carpet. Yeah, a guard dog up the top, not in the room, outside the door. Yeah. Amen. So, but you know what? Other than that, you've got to continually keep it clean. Bless you. You've got to keep it clean. Amen. But, listen, church, you wouldn't invite a bunch of dogs with mud all over our kids come in the house. My mother one time, when I remember when my dad liked to choked on himself and laughed so hard he almost died because I fell in the hog pen face first and almost got killed by 65 tons of hogs. Biggest hogs you've ever seen. They could stand right there and their nose would be touching that right there. That's how long they were. And they stood that tall, buddy. Biggest hogs you've ever seen, boy. And uh, they was all over me. We had 50 hogs, man, in that pen. They was all that big. And... Uh, they was all over me, man. I didn't think it was funny at all, because I was that deep in mud, man. And uh, I come up out of there, look like a swamp thing, boy. In my mouth, eyes, nose, ears, all that stuff, man. That was that was nice way of putting what it was. It, yeah, yeah. Ants by the billions of ants, billions of ants. I had 47 stings on every sting. And I come up out of there, and my dad almost, he almost died right there. He was laughing so hard. He was literally on his knees with his face in grass, laughing so hard, he just couldn't even catch his breath. Hardest I ever saw my dad laugh. And it made me so mad. It ain't funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> and the more I said that, the harder he laughed. He just couldn't. He's like, uh, uh. yeah, he couldn't even, couldn't even catch his breath. So I'm heading to the house. I'm coming up to the house. Mama was in the house, and Mama saw me coming. She come flying out that back door. Oh, no, you ain't. Oh, no, you ain't. Uh-uh. No, no, no. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, no. No, you ain't. You ain't coming in here like that. Like, man, Dad's just laughing at me. Mama hates me. I've had to move out like this. I can't even find nobody to take me. Yeah, she said, oh, no, you ain't. She come met me. And said, oh, no, you ain't. Oh, no, you ain't. I said, all I have to say this. That's the same way you'd be. Don't you lie. You see somebody coming to your house, you just got nice and spotless and clean up. Ah, oh, but... Where are you going looking like that? Man, I'd drop you right there in your tracks. You've already buried yourself. I'll just put a little man, put a little cross on you. Oh my god, you already buried, man. That's gonna that's gonna harden and dry. You're already buried. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, sister, for that vote of confidence. Sigh, find something to roll in. Wow. We need to be holy. In all manner of behavior. Amen. When you are holy, when you're holy in all your behavior, that means you're separated. Holiness is pure God. Holiness is nothing but God. 
Holiness is nothing but righteousness. Holiness is nothing but purity. Holiness is no leaven. There's no such thing as holiness with leaven in it. One microscopic bit of leaven null and voids holiness. That's not holiness. Holiness is purity. This is what God requires, and He required it many, many times. He, he reiterated that throughout the Bible. As He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. In all, everybody say all, manner of conversation. In all of your behavior. All the manner of your behavior. Amen. Okay, brother, come on. Okay. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. See, this is where the Lord was, this is where he was reiterating from, from uh, the Old Testament. Because it is written. Once it's written, settle. That's right. Unchangeable. Amen. All right. Now. Okay, well, party time. You ready? Get your pen out. Matthew four nineteen. Matthew eight, twenty one through twenty two. Matthew nine nine. Matthew sixteen twenty through uh, sixteen twenty four. Matthew sixteen, verse twenty four. Matthew nineteen twenty through twenty two. Mark two fourteen. John twenty one verse twenty two. And then Luke nine fifty nine through sixty two. Just a few more scriptures. Can't believe I didn't give those to you. Our telepathy must be off a little bit. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen. Here is where the Lord was calling his disciples. Amen. God called publicans and sinners and people that were not the elite, people that were not the hierarchy, but people that were workers, people that were willing to follow, people that were willing to, to, to take up the cause, amen, to take that plow and plow the field with it, amen. And then immediately, immediately, notice, immediately, they had to make a choice. There was no long, drawn-out process. Notice there were ones he fed, and there were ones that he, you know, that he brought along and taught as they went. But these were not the ones that he chose. These were not the ones that he these were not the ones that he chose to work for him. 
But the ones he chose to work for him, they had to make a choice, and they had to make it immediately. He said, hey, follow me. These were people that had careers. These were people that had jobs, man. They had, huh? What? Yeah, they had a livelihood. They had, man, they had bills to pay. They had, I mean, you know, they had lives to live. I mean, man, they had jobs. They, some of them was, you know, working on the farm, stuff like that, had things to do. I mean, man, that you know, all of a sudden you tell your wife or you tell your family, you know, I'm out of here, see you, you know. The Lord didn't say, well, go do this, go do that. He said, no. He saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Praise God. Come on, brother. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, you think about this. Think about this. These are the scriptures no one even touches. They don't touch this. Why? Oh, my God, Jesus would never do that. He said, honor your father and your mother. But let me tell you what Jesus would say. He'd say, it is written again. Because if the devil tried to come and say, yeah, but it is written, honor thy father and thy mother, he'd say, Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written again. Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. This trumps that. This trumps that. What was the Lord saying? There ain't nothing you can do for him. He's dead. Your burying him is not for him. Your burying him is for you. To appease your guilt. That's what it's for. See, if I don't bury him, oh, oh my God, you know, the, the wolfers are going to get him. They're not going to get him. He's gone. They're going to get that body, just like the maggots and the worms and the skin worms and all that. That's what's going to get that body. You ain't going to stop that, see, or the fire or whatever's going to get that body. Jesus said, don't worry about that. Why? Because Jesus is not looking at the realm you're looking in. You're looking at the physical realm. God's looking in the spiritual realm. He knows that man's not in that body. He's where he was going. Wherever he was headed, that's where he's at right then. He's not in that body. Therefore, you're not honoring your father. You're honoring a memory. You're not honoring the man. The man is gone. You're honoring dust in the shape of that body. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. He said... Your body shall return to the dust from whence it came. See? Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. He said, hey, there's people, those people that don't follow me, they're dead while they live. He is dead while he liveth. So let the people that are dead to me while they live, let them bury him. Let him bury the dead. They're just as dead as he is. It just, just hadn't happened yet. Let them do the burying. you got work to do. There's still something you can do. And while you're here, God said, we must be busy about our Father's business and finish His work, even if it's in you. You have a certain place you must be. Not just, not just the place you're going to breathe your last breath, 
but you need to arrive at the place that you need to be with God when you breathe your last breath. There is a finish line for you, and it's more than just a physical finish line. There is a spiritual finish line, and you must cross that finish line before you breathe your last breath, or you will not make heaven. There is no time for camp out. There's no time for finding a plateau and curling up like a hound dog in front of the campfire. There's no time for that. You are in a race to the finish, and you must finish well. You've got to finish. You shall reap if ye faint not. There's no time to faint along the way, because if you do, that means you're going to have to double time it to get to your destination, because the clock is is already set. Your finish line is set. There is. There's an appointed time for every man. It is appointed unto man once to die. It's appointed. Your time is appointed. Now, next. Mm. Yeah, it's fine. 